Hello everyone, welcome back to Wet Mad Universe. We've been on hiatus for uh, a few months now, uh, and we're gearing up uh, to, to do the second season. I'm Adam Prosser, with me is Phil Bryce. Hi. And uh, so we're, we're just doing a quick little check-in to make to remind people that we're alive and uh, that we've got all of our plans uh, lined up for season two. And uh, so we wanted to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what we were going to be tackling for the first few shows of season two and some of our uh, larger plans. Um, the first book we're going to be looking at is um, Isaac Asimov's Foundation series, which is well known, I think, to everyone. Uh, it's considered one of the foundational tech, ha ha ha, foundational texts of science fiction. Yeah. And uh, it's about uh, a guy who predicts the arc of galactic history across a few millennia uh, using math. Uh, it may have been a bit of an inspiration for stuff like Star Wars, uh, and uh, it's... Uh, not the math part, though. The, <laughs> not so much the math part, no, but it has a galactic empire, and uh, it's yeah, about no. the decline of a galactic empire. It's the Roman Empire declining in space. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels a bit like the prequels in some ways. Yes, it has, the, the, you know, when you see stuff like the prequels. Oh, well, not, not the stupid parts, but, you know, the... The, right. the basic idea of the prequels. I think Lucas liked the uh, the whole political uh, decline, and and even in the original, the very first movie, you see kind of a you know it's the fall of the Roman Empire is kind of taking place mm -hmm. in the background. Uh, so I think that was definitely inspired by the Foundation series, uh, and they're really uh, they're fascinating books. They're problematic, uh, but they're also really interesting to me. Um, there's a there's a, a TV series. Uh, coming out of the Foundation series uh, at some point in the yeah, near future. Yeah, I heard future. about that. Yeah. Uh, who's involved? Well, the the reason I knew about it is Saladin Ahmed, who's a, a, a comic book writer and, and uh, oh, okay. whose Twitter yeah. I follow. He's apparently going to be one of the writers on the show. So, um, But it's on, it's going to be on Apple TV. So who knows if anyone will see it. But uh, it's too bad because that, uh, that really has the potential to be really interesting. Um, but anyway, we'll see where that goes from there. Uh, so that's the first one we're going to be talking about. Uh, the second one, um, uh, I guess that's another one of mine, uh, is uh, Jurgen, uh, which by uh, James Branch Cabell, uh, which is a really uh, weird little interesting book. I find it interesting in the same way that uh, Jer uh, Lord Dunsany uh, is interesting to me. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, I actually haven't know very little about Jurgen. I had heard of it. Um... It was on my radar as like an early fantasy story, but I don't know anything about it. Uh, I sort of skimmed the Wikipedia a while back and <laughs> compared it to Discworld. Um, I can see some parallels. Yes, they're very. It's lighthearted. It's not. It's very. Um, it's very ironically detached, if that's the right word. Mm -hmm. um, it's not. Um, it's not like Tolkien, where it's all you know. He's putting his heart and soul into it. It's very kind of. Uh, light and uh, wry, uh, cosmopolitan, uh, sophisticated sensibility. Where they were, they were, you know, the stuff like the Great Gatsby and and uh, I, I actually think of the Great Gatsby as kind of the the the, or I think of Jurgen as the Great Gatsby of fantasy in some ways. Uh, it <laughs> it feels like it was right written by a martini swilling uh, socialite in the twenties, which, as far as I know, it was. Um, <laughs> and it's got that kind of like it's it's um. It's interesting just to see where fantasy was at before Tolkien came along, uh, because it's a very different feeling story. It's very, it's very folkloric. It has a very uh, Alice in Wonderland meets um, 
you know, the Odyssey kind of feel, but in kind of a, a, a ridiculous satirical way. It's not meant to be, um, it's not meant to be taken totally seriously, but it is aimed at an adult audience. Um, and it's, it's very much about a sort of an amoral hero. Um, anyway, so it's a really interesting book. Uh, I really enjoy it. Uh, so I decided we put that down uh, for one. Uh, so, and then actually that kind of makes a nice companion with the book we have planned for the third one, which is one of Phil's picks, uh, which is Gargantua. So Phil, you want to... And Pentagoril. Right. Pentagoril is actually the, the main protagonist. Gargantua is just in the in one of them. There's some confusion over the order, and you were saying uh, over whether even the uh, final book was written by... It's Rabelais, is the author, by the way. Uh, Francois Rabelais, yeah. Um, I think that's how you pronounce it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's the oldest thing we've done on the show so far. Uh, from, it's uh, 1532. Uh, yeah, and that, that as far as I know, that's the era in which, and I'm not a literary expert, but uh, I believe that's the era in which what we would call the novel started to emerge. Uh, so that that's actually um, that's actually part of that whole trend, basically. Um, uh, yeah, and it's um, it's very much in line with uh, Paul Bunyan stories that would come about later. Right. Uh, yeah. Very and, tall tale-ish. It's also about a giant. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a family it's, of giants. Yeah. Um, and uh, their size wildly varies from plot point to plot point. <laughs> And it's it's very listicle oriented, and it's very. There's a lot of list chapters, and uh, it's also filled with absolutely filthy jokes. Right. Uh, it's extremely uh, crude. Gonna, it's extremely crude. There is a uh, there is a chapter uh, that just a list of things that uh, the main character wipes his butt with. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's great literature, folks. Um, and then uh, the fourth book we're probably going to look at is uh, Northwest Smith. Um, which by is... C.L. Moore. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I haven't read this one yet. It's a uh, space western, apparently, uh, with a main character in the sort of Han Solo mold that would come later. Right. Yeah, and it's kind of we we did one about space westerns last uh, season, which was the um, uh, Planet for Texans. A Planet for Texans, yeah. So that was a um, uh, yeah, and that seems to have been a a minor sub sub genre, a really uh, uh, trendy sub sub genre for about ten minutes in uh, the post war period. Um, so this is another. This is from that era as well, right? Like for late forties, mm. early fifties. Uh, I think this one's actually a bit earlier. I, I think it's late thirties, early forties. Oh, okay, all right. So maybe it was uh, influential on that genre, possibly. Or uh, I I doubt it was the first, but uh, uh, probably influential. Yeah, I'm not sure how westerny this one is, but uh, oh, really? It's listed as an influential space western. Oh, I'm not sure if it's got like full on like, you know. Cowboys uh, and six what are their partner, you know, sort of. Right. Well, I mean, it's. It, it might just be like aesthetically. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, well, we'll we'll see. But I mean, in many ways, yeah, like a western, like the Mandalorian is a space western in a sense. They never stopped, yeah. right? Like it's uh, it's the, the 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 sort of basic framework of the genre kept going for for many years. Yeah, but I'm not sure if it's closer to the Mandalorian or like Firefly, which is straight up just cowboys in space. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we'll find out. Like I say, we're this is a preview. We haven't actually read it yet. And then, um, yeah. then next, probably, we're going to be looking at one of uh, Philip's big literal bait noirs, uh, which is the Nyctalope. Uh By Jean Delahir, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Another 
French book that I'm going to stumble through pronunciations on. Mm -hmm. uh, though on this one, I care a little bit less because uh, uh, this is a terrible book series. <laughs> uh, so far, I've read one and a half of them. I, I'm only going to be reading the first two, and Adam's only going to be reading the first one. They're very long, very bad, and the writer collaborated with the Nazis. So this is <laughs> going to be probably a negative review, at right. least from my end. Yeah, uh, so uh, Nick DeLope is a proto-superhero mm -hmm. um, uh, in that he, he's sort of not necessarily inspired later characters, but he's part of a, a spectrum that eventually morphed into characters like Superman and Batman. Right. Um, yeah. um, it was very popular in, in France, um, uh, or in French, um, up until post-war when uh, he was blacklisted for justifiable reasons mm -hmm. uh right well we'll get we'll we'll get into that on the show itself but yes it's yeah it's... um so uh they're they're very poorly written um very long and uh i'm looking forward to tearing into it <laughs> it'll be a great show oh, uh, his really powers he can see in the dark but you can see yeah his, I... his gimmick is that he can see in the dark yeah that's his that's, that, his that's big it superpower. That's... yeah yeah well that was enough in the pulp era you know they hadn't quite moved on to superheroes yet so you didn't have to have a, yeah. outrageous superpowers you could just have one little gimmick basically but um mm -hmm. uh anyway so we'll be talking about you can see how that's uh an influential sort of uh link in the chain that went uh through pulp heroes to superheroes so we'll be talking about that one. And then the last one, well, not the last one, but the uh, the last one that we've got uh, figured out for the near future uh, is uh, the Nova Express trilogy by William S. Burroughs. So this is going to be a very interesting one. Neither of us have read it yet, uh, but I've always been fascinated by this because William S. Burroughs, of course, is a literary giant. He wrote um, uh, Naked Lunch and uh, he was a, one of the beats uh, in the 1950s. Um, and he... Um, he used to write books using what's called the cut-up method, um, where he would literally write a story and then cut it, cut out parts of it and mix it up and sort of let the... Uh, following um, Aleister Crowley's uh, methods in some ways, as you mentioned, he would try to tell the story uh, in a uh, non-linear way and let the universe tell the story. Um, and the Nova Express trilogy is, in fact, a science fiction trilogy. And I was a little surprised to learn this, but it is apparently uh, very much a, you know, a sci-fi pulp novel in some ways. But it's also this uh, very strange experimental literary book in other ways. And that's one of the uh, really interesting uh, crux points to me, because, like I say, there's a fairly recent point where great literature with a capital L diverges from the pulp literature. Uh, and this is almost one of the, the high points of that where he's writing straight up pulp, but he's doing it in such a crazy literary ways. And he's such a revered figure that, uh, you know, it, it becomes very blurry as to w which, which is which basically. So uh, now I've, I've, like I said, I haven't read it, and I'm very interested to know exactly how readable it is, <laughs> given the cut-up method. Yeah, I, I haven't read any full uh, beat poetry stuff, but it's right. It seemed pretty unpleasant from what I could tell, but uh, hopefully it reads well, better in the long form. I don't know. My ge the general consensus about the Nova Express trilogy is that it's very good. Uh, that like it's and, okay. And I've I've what I've read of Burroughs is very good. Like I've read some of his later stuff, and he did. You know, he kept writing poems all the way up to the nineties, and he was a very you know uh, you know he had a very passionate worldview, and it does come through in his. But he's very he's very much a surrealist. Um, the fact that Naked Ledge was adapted by David Cronenberg is very much a 
appropriate. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> he's uh, he's he's uh, he's he's got a very unique uh, voice and a very he, he doesn't care about reality at all. Uh, but he does. But you can see the passion underlying what he's writing, at least in my limited experience with him. Uh, so that's going to be very interesting. And who knows? Maybe it'll. Maybe we'll hate it. Uh, but it, it is something I want to look at. That sounded very. Hopefully interesting. not, because there's three books. Yeah, that's right. Well, like I say, the general the general consensus is that they're great. So um, so hopefully it's going to be it's going to be something. Um, and I mean, he inspired so many people from David Bowie. Again, we'll talk about that in the show. Uh, but that's so that's going to be interesting. So you know, hopefully after Nick Delope, if if we hate Nova Express after Nick Delope and Nova Express, we'll find something we both really enjoy to look at. And actually, that was something uh, we were going to talk about. Uh, we want to do uh, a couple of books this season, scattered throughout the season. Uh, we were going to look at um, um, spinoff novels uh, for some or of the tie-in novels. Yeah, tie-in yeah. tie-in novels for some of the major or expanded um, universe or whatever phrase you want to use. Right, yeah, all the all the different pop cultural uh, things that that really take off, particularly the big four, which are uh, superhero novels, uh, Doctor Who, uh, Star Trek, and Star Wars have all had lots of um, uh, novelization, expanded universe novelizations. Mostly, and they all had an era, except for superheroes, where they um, were they weren't on the air or they weren't creating new material as we would officially know it um and that's where it, uh, it gets weird and it gets interesting and where it diverges from what we know of those stories so we're going to be looking at uh, a number of different uh novels from each of those different uh franchises which may or may not be quote canon uh but will possibly be interesting and influential so we're going to be we're not going to name the exact books we're doing for that yet because we're still discussing them uh but we have some ideas in mind we'll probably have a guest star for each of those four uh, novels, uh, each of those four shows. So, who is an expert on that particular <laughs> in that particular uh, franchise, that particular world? Uh, so, we'll dive into that, and that'll be kind of cool and interesting. One or two things we'd looked at, um, but we don't want to lock it down. Um, I would. Uh, we both. I recently discovered that uh, William Gilbert of William S. Gilbert of Gilbert and Sullivan, uh, his father wrote uh, fantasy fiction. And there's a book of short linked short stories that we were uh, probably going to have a look at. We both agreed that that would be kind of cool to look at. So uh, Yeah, I've actually read one of the stories, not the whole book, but uh, right. one of the stories, which is about a vampire, mm -hmm. uh, The Last Lords of Gordonel. Is that what it was called? Uh, I, I, I can't – I barely know any of the information. I, I did a portrait of the the vampire character from it, but yeah, right. uh, for my vampire series. Uh, <laughs> Which is it's good. been a while since I read it, but yeah, it was. Um, uh, I was just I'm a big Gilbert and Sullivan fan, and uh, I was just uh, I also like Victorian era vampires, so I was blown away to learn that uh, Gilbert's father wrote a vampire story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is very much in Phil's uh, interests here, so that's going to be kind of cool. Um, and there's yeah, a, I mean, I I doubt it has much much uh, uh, musical. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll use some Gilbert but... and Sullivan. We'll do some Gilbert and Gil Sullivan riffing in the episode. I'm sure. We'll we, you'll get to hear yeah. me sing. I'm sure. No, <laughs> no, I'll spare you that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's. Without, of course, we've got lots of other surprises. Let's keep it uh, surprise for now. Uh, but it, oh, we want to. Um, we've been planning this a while and it's it's my fault because i'm slow in reading it but uh we want to do the lensman series by mm -hmm. uh doc smith yes yeah we'll definitely be doing that one for sure 
that's of course a uh, big space opera and influential on uh, the Silver Age Green Lantern mythos. Right. And many other things as well, I think. But uh, yeah, like comic but books, that's I sort of kept the... reading it <laughs> for years too. Yeah. Um. But yes. Anything else? Uh, so yeah, no. Well, I, we'll keep everything else a, a secret. I think we'll probably go back to Moorcock this season, uh, looking at uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like... time streams. Yep. Uh, I'd also like to uh, read the um, um, uh, the spy character. What was it? Oh, Jerry Cornelius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I almost feel like we'll do Moorcock once. A, maybe keep him for season three. He's there. Speaking sure. of speaking of weird, uh, you know, uh, crazy surreal uh, experimental literature, that uh, Jerry Cornelius gets down that path as well. He's he has that. Yeah. Bur- if if I'm reading, if I'm understanding the timelines correctly, I think Burroughs did inspire pulp writers to sort of do weird experimental stuff in the fifties and sixties, and I think uh, Moorcock was probably inspired by that to do some of the Jerry Cornelius novels, which are very wild. They're not classically, you know, they're not James Bond. They're about as wild and off the wall as you could get within that same genre. So, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. We'll s- uh, but no matter the time streams contains a uh, early steampunk story right it is in many ways like obviously like steampunk obviously goes back to has its roots in the victorian era with like jules verne and stuff but this is like a one of the earliest um novels that sort of harkens back to that while being in a modern right uh, from a modern writer yeah it's the mod it's the it may be the origin point for steampunk as a retroactive genre instead of stuff that was actually written at the time like going back and saying it's a victorian style you know airships and steam powered technology kind of story um that may be the again we'll we'll we'll, we're gonna research it and figure it out but uh that seems to be one of the uh crux points for steampunk yeah anyway we'll 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 keep it a seat we've got lots to do it's an exciting season yeah so we've got a great season coming up of uh what mad universe we're gonna relaunch that on march 9th uh, with the foundation story that we uh, stories as we mentioned, um, so f- for right now, uh, if you like our our stuff, uh, again, it's all at uh, neversleepsnetwork.com/slash/series/slash/what-dash-mad-dash-universe, um, and of course you can re- uh, watch it here uh, or wherever you're reading it on your favorite podcast capture and iTunes. Uh, if you like our stuff, please look us up on Patreon. Uh, Phil is Spear Havoc, Hafok, H-A-F-O-C, on uh, Patreon, and I'm Adam Prosser, but you can also just Google or uh, search on Patreon Adam Prosser or Philip Rice. That's P-R-O-S-S-E-R. Um, we have... And Philip with one L. Philip, yeah, Philip with one L, right? <laughs> Not one of those weirdos with two Ls. Um, we do still have uh, a Tumblr and an Instagram uh, where we've done our own art, and I do want to actually catch up and do some more art for that. Um, what's the uh, Tumblr uh, address, Phil, for that? Yeah, it's uh, what-mad-universe. Anyway, what-mad-universe on Tumblr. You can Google it. You can Google it on Instagram. Uh, we've got all these, you know, we've got all the social, we've got a Facebook page, uh, what-mad-universe, sometimes with question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, but sometimes not, <laughs> as the uh, URL allows. Uh, and... Uh... Our Twitter is uh, uh, sorry, I'm WMU uh, WMU podcast. Right. So yes, follow us on Twitter, and you can follow each of us individually. I'm at at prankster thirty six, and Philip is spear Hafok, again underscore uh, spear Hafok underscore is him with an F O C at the end. Because somebody so already took it, the Phil? name I usually use online. 
<laughs> and yes. has not so you can follow... tweeted. <laughs> right. So follow either of us, and we will, of course, be talking about it as we get closer to the... So yes, at Acolytes of Adventure, come see us uh, on March 9th uh, as we relaunch the show. Uh, we enjoy having you. Uh, please uh, feel free to leave comments uh, on the Facebook page or anywhere else that seems appropriate. Uh, or on our Twitter feed. We'd uh, love to hear more from you. Please tell your friends if you enjoy our podcast and uh, provide links because that really helps us uh, bolster our podcast uh, audience and we think we've done something kind of cool here. So uh, until then, we'll see you in the funny pages. Bye.